Welcome to Visionaries. I'm your host, Jacob Wolf. Happy New Year. We are super excited to be back here with you all back on our normal podcast schedule. You, if you're listening to this, you're listening to it on Wednesday uh, or after. Um, and we will be back with reg- regularly scheduled podcasts on Friday this week. I don't know about you, Prime, but I was itching to get back to the podcast later. This like all, all the the tail end of the holidays. It was nice to have that like kind of first week off after Christmas leading into Christmas. We took it kind of light because Christmas yeah. is on a weekend. But then like right around like New Year's, etc. I was just like, it, it's time. It's time for me to get back. Yeah, so. I hit like, I don't know, December 29th. I'm like, I'm I'm bored. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm just I'm just so used to thinking about this and and being actively doing something at like eleven in the morning, and I yeah. I, I just remember sitting there on my computer being like, what do I do? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel that too. And if you're new to the show, hello. I know this is going to be going up on YouTube to maybe a few people who have seen some of our other content. And now they're watching this. For my background, really quickly, I'm a former ESPN award-winning investigative journalist who now runs this company that you're watching on this channel, Overcome. We are producing a twice-weekly podcast, Visionaries, which you've probably seen if you are watching this. We have some of the biggest content creators, game developers, people in general entertainment, etc. on the show. Anything that nerdy people like, probably on this show. That's kind yeah. of the goal. And we do our best to try to cut through the weeds. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to be back to regularly scheduled interview episodes on Friday. But today, we didn't get to do this last year because we launched in late July. But we wanted to do predictions and what Hot is going to happen. predictions, in, baby. Correct. What's going to happen fun. in 2023? And this time next year, end of the year, we will do an episode looking back on these and saying how bad we got this wrong or not. That's part of the fun. You may disagree with us. And if you do... Argue with us in the comments. Yeah, it's wonderful. Have fun. Like, yeah, bring this it. is this is all supposed to be. It's supposed to be realistic, but at the same time, some of these things might not happen. That's the beauty of predictions. So, I'm really excited to break down some of these. But Prame, do you want to start, or you, you want a prediction for start with the prediction? I've got one. That I think <sighs> will get us into a long discussion, but I think I, you, okay. So yeah, I do too. I have two that I think are are things that we're going to end up hitting on regardless i have so we have we have one prediction from someone else and yes, I, do. I don't know what it is and i have a feeling two of my things will will dovetail nicely into it so, so give us the one that doesn't yeah okay you yeah. want the one that doesn't the one that doesn't all activision blizzard leagues will die a slow and painful death and we're going to start Woo-hoo! seeing it happen this year as as more people kind of just get tired of it get get tired of of how how hollow and and like kind of insecure the the money seems to be yeah i think you're right and i i presume i will have some reporting around this i don't know if they will die but necessarily I, okay kind of the kind of the okay so because i've reported on these a lot like sort of a lot of the reporting i've heard has always been that the these leagues won't change until after the Microsoft acquisition. So right. if you've read my reporting before on the Jacob Wolf report, there's about somewhere between 380 to $420 million in debt owed to the Overwatch League, to Activision Blizzard for the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League that the owners haven't paid because payments have been suspended since 2020. 
that looks it's not super material for a company as big as Activision Blizzard, but it does help on the balance sheet in terms of this acquisition. Now, actually, I did not have this on my prediction list, but it is something I'm going to be talking about in the newsletter. I actually don't think that the I don't think the Microsoft acquisition Blizzard acquisition is going to go through after all. I actually I, think it's dead. Yeah, and let me tell I, you why. I, yeah, I just want to explain I, the I mechanics hear your of this. Rationale on this one. So, so the FTC has officially filed a complaint against Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. They did that right before the holiday. This is, I believe, early December. Yeah. And the reason I think it won't go through is that they didn't file it in a court. This is not filed in a federal court in California or New York or any places that those two companies operate business. This is filed internally at the FTC which means that if the FTC arbiters don't rule in the FTC's favor, then it goes back to the commissioner board, which consists of the people who are suing Activision Blizzard and decided to sue them. So this is basically try like being the judge and the executioner at the same time and the lawyer representing the opposing side. I think they kill this. And yeah, whether, whether or not there's merit to do so, I have a lot of different thoughts about kind of, the complaint that was made and the validity of like whether or not yeah whether or not that it's true that it would hurt the industry and damage players a lot of their argument was talking about the future oh well what if they take call of duty or overwatch or any of these other games and they move them only into game pass and now you can only get them on a pc or an xbox you can't get them on playstation anymore i have a lot of thoughts about whether that's valid or not generally i tend to think that like the complaint is too broad but it doesn't matter because of the way that it was filed and the way that this process is going to go. So I, I think like if, if it is ruled that way, we're going to be in court for a long time. What I'm curious about is what happens to those leagues while this thing remains being oh, yeah. litigated. Basically. Uh, so for one, didn't the Brazilian equivalent of the FTC also file a complaint about some, some country also did have a complaint about this acquisition specifically. There's been a couple different things. So UK regulators are pro uh, UK regulators have been probing it. EU regulators, European Union regulators have also said that they're going to have, I believe, until March to make a decision whether or not they're going to sue for it. Um, there was also some reporting that Jim Ryan, the, the CEO of PlayStation, went to Europe, went to Brussels and met with those regulators in I believe August or September of last year prior to them making that decision. So there's a lot of other movement. I'm very specifically curious, though. Well, you know, you can kind of work around some of the international pushback. I don't know if you can work around the FTC. Um, no, I don't. And think. and it will it will it would just I think it will just be a litigation process back and forth that continues. That doesn't address though what you're talking about, which is that the leagues themselves have to function. And I don't think anybody's happy functioning in the leagues right now. Right. That's I think that's I yeah, I I don't think they die this year. Like I don't think we we get to to January 1st, 2024 and they're dead, not coming back. But I do think that in the same way in other scenes like you can kind of see the death knells. You can yeah. see these these signs that it's the end even if no one's really like explicitly saying it. And I have a feeling with things like the uh, Philadelphia team going to to South Korea, with the number of teams that, from from what I've been seeing, are seeming to go with like basically throwaway teams, paying yep. minimum contracts, not mm -hmm. even 
intending to compete seriously. Just correct. We're we are obligated to be in this in this league, so we fielded a team. Like, okay, there you go, doing the bare minimum. With all of that, with the massive decrease in viewership of Hearthstone, and I think there was technically increased viewership on Overwatch still year over year. But, but it was because of the drops. It's you because removed, of the drops. You, you removed drops, and for those maybe unfamiliar with what that is, they basically had it enabled that you would get Overwatch 2 merch. Overwatch 2 came out at the, the tail end of the year for multiplayer only. They did not put out the single-player mode. But that you could get in-game items by watching the Overwatch League. And that saw a pretty big boost in viewership, but before that, it was not good. Yeah. And so the numbers are a little bit misleading. Yeah, so it's, I mean, I have a lot of friends who, they just turn it on and leave. Yeah. They, they don't yeah, actually 100%. watch. And so there's, there are a lot of casual players who are like, oh, I like that skin that they're giving away for free for my favorite character. So they're going to turn it on and then go on with their fucking lives. They're going to do whatever they need to do. Yep. So, I, yeah, I, I think we get to the end of the year and the, the general consensus in in esports world is that there might be one like swan song season but other than that like we're not going to see much of 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 Overwatch League trying to to make these big events yeah it's it's sad that a league that you know <laughs> got commitments for more than 300 million dollars is in that boat and i think like yeah. that's the most the most telling part is and that's not included in call of duty league right which is 25 million dollars for the 12 it it's just honestly the leagues are pathetic i've said it for a long time they outshot their coverage even back then when all the hype around esports all the investment craze etc they were outpricing riot and i think a lot of yeah. people feel different ways about the lcs right now and and the lec and like whether those will even work long term but at least like you know on a 10 million or a 13 million dollar investment you can like kind of you know if things went well for just a few years there like things saw seemed like they're going well eh, that happens but like these 20 25 30 35 like these are always fucking insane none of these yeah. these numbers ever made sense and i used to get a lot of shit for saying that from like people on the activision blizzard side of the fence and it's like all that i have to say is like i hope you got enough of your money like i, I mean, you know whatever correct me if i'm wrong the uh, initial lcs franchising buy-in was 20 million no 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 it was 10 it was 10 it was 10 if you already had a team in the league Meaning like pre-franchising. Yeah, it was so 13 like TSM, if you were new. CLG, so like, et cetera. Yeah, so like the Warriors and some of the others paid like 13. That was what they were on the hook for. That's, oh my. So I think 35 is nuts. 13 seems like criminally low. It was criminally low. It was <laughs> supposed to be. I, oh my God. It was supposed, I was they could have gotten so much more. But it was supposed to be low for the sense of like, you know... Because Riot wasn't in it for the bag, right? Like they were, yeah. they were here to, and they've changed. Look at Valorant. Valorant's so much different of an ecosystem for a reason. Oh, it's yeah. because, like you know, they're not doing all the buy-ins and everything because they don't think it's sustainable anymore. Even they've corrected their model. Whereas you know, Overwatch League and Call of Duty League would never tell you that. So they're they're gonna hand it down. But moving on to the next prediction, I have one, and I don't think we share this one, but uh, I think that this year. YouTube will join Twitch in cutting creator spending. 
I don't mean by oh, the pay. I don't mean by spicy. the payouts. Okay. I don't. I don't mean by the payouts. I. I don't think that YouTube is going to cut down to like fifty fifty. I don't think they need to. YouTube is such a sustainable product in so many other ways other than live, which is what they're paying most of these creators for. Right. However, I think it's become abundantly clear, not just because of the economy, but in general, what people use YouTube for. And when I say people, I very specifically mean the likes of Courage and Dr. Lupo and some of the others who took the bag and don't do nearly as much content anymore. They took the bag and stopped producing. And I understand the Twitch demand has always been unrealistic. Twitch at Twitch says that streamers, you know, they have these very high viewer hours in their contracts. They've tried more recently to launch incentives where if you do the crazy viewer hours, you get paid additional money for partners that aren't set in stone. But we've seen a very huge reduction from these like private contracts or whatever, you know, these like separate contracts, special contracts issued from, by Twitch to creators oh. from about 20% to 5% over the past few years, according to some of the reporting that other people have done. And I think now, at least in the case of YouTube, YouTube is going to join that boat. I think that there are some creators they have made very good bang for their buck on, people like Ludwig, etc., who have very much had a vision and plan to take this money and use it this way, this way, this way, that helps YouTube events, etc., that you know do very well in viewership. But I think that a lot of creators, the early creators on the platform took YouTube as, I got my bag, now I don't have to stream as much. We're going to see more ninjas in 2023 than we are exclusive streamers to either platform. We're going to see the co-streaming because the, the platform deals are starting to go away for a lot I, of hmm, I think I only partially agree. So I, I think they will cut their, their spend. Kind of in 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 totality, they will have reduced their spend, but I do think they will kind of learn from. I don't want to necessarily call it a mistake, but really, what is what is for them an experiment? Like they will, I think they'll do more vetting of finding people who who really can bring the type of value that someone like Ludwig brings to the whole platform, and they will find two to three of those. And that's it. You yeah, might see fair. a handful yeah. of of, con- of creators that that will sign on, do exclusivity, but like realistically, the expectation is low for them to be, you know, shifting the paradigm of the content being made on the platform. I think they they specifically look for two to three more people who who can do full scale start to finish productions that are not just their stream, not just the content from their stream. And they will pay them fucking handsomely. They, those, those two to three people will, are going to make absolute insane bank because YouTube has, has done an immense amount of research vetting them and, and making it clear that the, the goal is to bring them to do the live streaming as they would normally do, but also support them in building out these larger events, in, in finding ways to, to execute on things that most creators just can't do unless they have a, a, a lot of support staff. Well, so I ask you, though, who are those creators? I have you had no to idea. pin the tail on the dog. I, right I am trying to, like... I could see an argument being made for... If, if there was a, a content that could work with it, I could see an argument being made for offline TV as a whole. 
Yep. Where offline TV gets paid out $150 million or something spread across across the entire st- the entire roster. Team, yeah. And they are streaming on the platform, obviously making content still, but YouTube provides them the resources to do like an offline TV live show once a month or something. They they do, you know, some activations here and there. Uh I, I think that's a that's honestly as close as I can get. I I could see an argument being made for Hassan. I but I think it would be it would be tricky. Hassan's it would have to be, be a harder. lot of money. He he just ended, if I'm not mistaken, it's I believe him and Asmongold are one and two at the end of the year in Twitch watch hours, and yeah. I believe he's number one. <laughs> he's, oh, yeah. he's definitely they're the, those are the top two. I know they are for sure. I like, don't know in which order they are. The you know, the interesting thing about Hassan in particular is that I this is anecdotal assumption. I actually think more people probably consume his content by raw, unique viewers on YouTube than they do on Twitch. Oh, um, oh definitely. And, and I think it's because he, because the type of content he does, political content, etc., is something that other places, news channels, etc., already do on YouTube. So he's kind of getting double funnel. You know, mm-hmm. he's getting like the hardcore sort of left-leaning liberal audience, etc., that comes to him generally, like the leftist audience that comes to him generally, who are fans of Hassan. But he's also getting some of the political cake too that doesn't exist on Twitch. I mean, he you're missing the the third segment of that, which is I think just as big. It's it's all the people who who want to see like kind of his charisma as he reacts to things that are happening on the internet. Yeah. Like I I consume a ton of Hassan content at this point. Very little of it is is the political content. But when there's it's when it's there's a mix of like it, him and there. him and Charlie Moist Critical are the are the best at this in terms yeah. of that quick turnaround. But he's way more charismatic than Charlie. No offense, Charlie. Um, I love the, Charlie. Yeah, no, the, Charlie's I, great. Uh, Hassan called him the other day Florida Jesus, which I think we can all agree, uh, all appreciate. I mean, you should. <laughs> I have not been able to find this chart for like since the first time I saw it. There's a chart of the the viewership hours on on the top like ten YouTubers in the, the like very specific variety content that that Charlie does the kind of commentary content and in any in any way that you represent that graph you just can't include Charlie because yeah. Charlie's the amount of content that he puts out and the amount of people who watch it like the day of dwarfs everyone so much that you can't even see 9 or 2 through 10 yeah they're just blips and so in terms of pure numbers, I could see Charlie being someone that would be an interesting exclusive, but I also don't, yeah, I don't think he, he is able to do the events the way that someone like Ludwig or an offline TV could do. I don't Here, think the activations work you. as well. Here's one for you. Kai Sanat. And I, I, he's the most subscribed to streamer on Twitch. Obviously he makes pretty good money. Granted, that spend obviously is being cut this summer when it goes down to 50-50. I actually don't know. Kai is new enough, young enough, that I don't even know if he even got... He, uh, speculating here. I don't no, know if he, he even got didn't. a 70-30 or an 80-20 deal. I actually think he started 50-50 because he's relatively... I mean, he started streaming. He's not been doing this all that long. Yeah. He started streaming this summer. Yeah. He's, maybe, he's maybe become extremely spring. successful. Extremely successful. I think his aspirations are similar, though. If you look at the type of content he does... 
maybe not events, maybe other things that he wants to do live, you know, live activations, etc. But of all of the streamers who, you know, are in, in that upper echelon, he excites me the most because I think the creativity is we've not seen anywhere near the peak of it. You know, like he's okay. just now starting to get into his creative arc. He's building out a business around him, similar to Ludwig and the others, right? Like he has Amp, who uh, I happen to know the CEO of from uh, the guy previously worked at the Toronto Raptors and, you know, had sort of sports business development background. And, you know, I think that Kai could be really, really interesting. I, I think the jury's out on that one. I, I feel like if Twitch doesn't sign Kai to a major deal, uh, then they're totally missing out. He is. Oh, yeah. Clearly the most high, the highest revenue driver on the platform. Uh, not necessarily by watch hours, but ads on Twitch are so low CPM. Doesn't matter. Subscribers is the more valuable number and he is the most subscribed to. He Twitch streamer. I could definitely see activations working with him. And I think that if if Twitch did an exclusivity with a uh, contract with him, I think they would squander the the potential for what what Kai Sanat can can bring. I think they'd they'd squander it completely. Mm. Like, tell me that you wouldn't have a dope ass time at like a club show that is curated by Kai and 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 that group. You know, every artist there is gonna go hard as hell. Yep, that show's gonna be fucking awesome. And I know Twitch isn't gonna do that. Correct, they're not. Yeah. Twitch is Twitch will do that one time at TwitchCon. It'll it'll be like a deeply kind of neutered event because it's twitch hosting their own event and it, it'll it'll feel like a disappointment if youtube yep. if youtube signed him those events would go hard and youtube would very easily be able to make it happen for them 100 percent I think the difference between YouTube and Twitch more broadly is that YouTube, because they're, they started broadly, they've always been, their expertise has always been broad, right? Yes. They know how to do a bunch of other things than just gaming. Whereas Twitch is kind of going the inverse. Yes, they started broad with Justin TV, but the core team of Twitch were very gaming specific, gaming focused people who are now learning the opposite way and hiring the opposite way. They're hiring non-gaming folks. And so they're slowly educating themselves about you know, call it lifestyle content, whatever it may be, the things where the game is not on the screen. And you've seen this issue with their moderation and everything else as well, that they've struggled to moderate things that aren't games. And yeah. so they are slowly having to educate themselves, whereas YouTube's competitive advantage is YouTube knows tons about a lot about a lot of different industries, basically. You know, they know the whole broad spectrum because it's been there on YouTube from the beginning. I mean, not just that, they've done everything. Like, Correct. they have, they have, educational content on the platform that is that is segregated and easy to find they used to have a lot of original content that they were making for youtube tv they yep. they they are sure. very experienced when it comes to building new things and optimizing just enough that it works and in some cases so much that it it explodes i mean look at shorts is a good example of that yeah. right shorts is actually like you know, it's the, the quote unquote TikTok competitor, but I don't think it is by any means, at least. I I find that like what works on TikTok is cute or comical content. And like there are other things that work, but when we're talking like mass scale, it's either because it's funny or it's really fucking cute, right? Like animals are yeah. sort of, uh, you know, the kings of TikTok. 
I feel actually like YouTube is way has been way more successful with educational content uh, on on shorts that 100%. things that are are different, more serious, etc. Maybe that's just my like anecdotal my TikTok algorithm. If you disagree with me, feel free to reach out to us. But not, nonetheless, I I think that it's they tried to make something to compete with TikTok, but it actually has its own unique flavor and variety. Is what I'm the point I'm making. I mean, I I think there's there's some like platform media theory there that I could get into. The gist of it is that TikTok that the cute and fun content was the core of the content at at the onset. It's what made it big, and so it kind of snowballs. But with YouTube, yep. it's all there already, and so right. like I get a lot of funny, cute content on YouTube t- shorts, but I also get a ton of like shorts about how to improve this recipe or how to build this small optimizing thing in your life. Like yep. it's by, by nature of the content that's already on YouTube, the content that is on shorts is going to be more diverse. Yep. hundred percent. We do have one guest prediction, which is from Brandon Freytag, previous guest of the show. If you're unfamiliar with Brandon, he is a co-founder of loaded still works there as well. They are the creator agency that, Worked with Ninja to get big. They worked with Ludwig on his platform deal to YouTube. They currently rep Cutie Cinderella, Dr. Lupo, Courage, a bunch of others. They've had quite the roster of people go through them. Uh, Brandon sent us in a short prediction, so we are going to play that now. Hey, Jacob. Thanks for reaching out. Uh, my big prediction this year is going to be related to diversification. I think you're going to see a lot of esports teams creators, companies uh, continue to diversify what they're doing in the space. So 100 Thieves is an example of uh, an esports team that's, you know, building keyboards and merchandise and an energy drink. I think you're going to see more of that with esports teams and trying to find ways to continue to push their business forward. I think you'll see creators continue to diversify the content that they're you know putting out uh, on different platforms i think they'll look at ways to monetize that content differently with their audience and not be beholden to one platform so i think this year especially in a in a down market you're going to see people trying to find clever ways or interesting ways to continue to build out their businesses i feel like we talked about this a little bit in 2022 as well Sort of the the esports team is no longer an esports team. There was a, a paragraph in the Forbes piece most recently about FaZe Clan that talked about this a little bit too, and the fact that you know they're having to diversify their business. They're not; it's no longer just about competitive, you know, whatever. And there's actually we have another clip to play, although not sent in to us from Ludwig's Mogul Mail first video of the year, which actually talks about a little bit about this, too. So we're going to play this, too, and then we will dive into the topic more broadly. Happy New Year. New Year means new goals. And maybe one of your goals this year is to burn as much money as possible. And I have a great solution for you. It's called eSports. If you don't know, pretty much every single eSports organization is vastly overvalued because they're all subsidized by venture capitalist groups that are probably going to get fed up in three to five years when none of them are profitable, or crypto exchanges. And we know what's happening with crypto exchanges. Let's just take a look at the Forbes top 10 most valuable esports companies. At the top, you can see TSM, 100 Thieves, Liquid, and FaZe Clan. Well, let's just take a look at TSM. How are they doing? Oh, they had a deal with FTX that got suspended. It was worth $210 million. Okay, that's... Huh. All right, well, how about 100 Thieves? Are they... Oh, they laid off... A bunch of people. Okay, well, you got to reduce overhead sometimes. Okay, what about Liquid? 
Oh, a deal with Coinbase for four years. Surely that will last. And finally, FaZe Clan. Okay, publicly traded company valued at 134 million. Wait, 400 million, 100. Okay, that dropped. Oh, that dropped really fast. Okay, well, that's, that's, look, not me just trying to make fun of esports orgs because I like esports and I like anyone who takes an attempt at making it work. It just doesn't seem like the economics of it match the ambitions of a lot of the people inside of the sphere. What does work, however? Content teams, influencers, signing content creators, which a lot of esports orgs do, and that seems to be the profitable part of their business, and it's also what some content teams do. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely have sort of one of these as a, as a prediction. I... I think we're going to see a lot of the like low B and C tier teams just stop being able to operate. I think dissolve or merger and acquisition. Yeah, this yeah. is not on my prediction list, but I think like that's that's the trend. How many of them will we see merge together because they have to to survive? Right. No, I, I think there's I think we're going to see, especially in some of the smaller communities where there's like a lot of these kind of sort of ragtag teams that they they kind of scrape together the money to send a player to an event every once in a while. I think yep. those those kind of things it just stops being really feasible. I I also the other prediction I had was that a lot of like esports as a whole is going to lose a ton of money. Like we've already lost yeah. <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet I I think it's I think there's there's still hundreds of millions more. Yeah, um, I agree. And I, I think, honestly, it's funny that Ludwig's the one saying that. I, I had a conversation with a friend this past weekend about this. And sort of my take is that the esports teams, esports activations, etc., the ones that will be meaningful in viewership long term will be the ones built by creators. Yeah. So things like, you know, Moist Esports is a very small thing in sort of Moist Critical Charlie's sort of portfolio at the moment. He just launched a talent group, a bunch of other things, etc. But I think things like the Smash Invitational or the Smash Scuffed World Tour, the makeup event that Ludwig ran a few weeks ago, I think that that's what we're going to see moving forward. Maybe not for the publisher in esports leagues, Riot, Activision Blizzard, you know, League of Legends, Valorant, etc. But certainly for everything else, I, I don't see a world where, like you said, any of these sort of smaller, more niche esports continue to be successful without the help of creators. And I think that that solely comes down to that they want... They want to feel connected. They want the audience wants to feel connected. The audience wants to feel like, you know, they 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 clinched a charisma. This is not new. This is a consumer behavior for forever. Right. And so when you have like esports players who don't get it, who aren't charismatic, they're just good at a video game. Like that's not something you sort of cling to. And that's the user behavior we've been saying the past couple of years, I think. And the the issue with that is that the creators who are going to 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 give you those valuable activations they know they can do it they know their value and they will they will look to go to those higher value companies those those a and b tier companies the the tsm c9 liquid whatever because that's the place that they'll get the most money but they'll also get definitely the most support yep like if, if you if you send one of those to like i don't know Purple Cow Esports, this some esports team in Wisconsin that has like four employees and an operating 
operating annual cost of like maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they're not going to get a lot, but yep. they're going to look for for teams that can pay out, that can you know make it worth their time. And so, as much as the the way that those small teams survive is personalities, it's it. I I don't I don't think those teams get those personalities. I I don't think so either because the personalities don't need them. And I think to Brandon's point about sort of the diversification of business and what verticals they're in. I don't think it's working. Uh, Like, can I be honest for a second? I like. I don't think anything about high ground or juvie is a success when I look at 100 Thieves and 100 Thieves is the best at doing this. Yeah, they you know, their merchandise arm is bigger than others, but like. Juvie kind of seems like it fell on its face. Like they did, they and they had a bunch of free marketing because they were sending cans to big influencers who just like mentioned it without pay. Then they had the ones that they actually signed, people like Tarek, who's in an endorsement deal. But like at the same time, like I don't think that's making more people buy keyboards or. Uh, yeah keyboards are energy drinks and it's certainly not making them more relevant than the sort of people in those already very packed categories you think you're going to go up against like HyperX and Corsair and their marketing budget no and I understand maybe you're targeting the more you know you want to do the collaborations you want to target the more niche community but there's no scale there Um, I'll be curious to kind of see what the Project X the the 100 Thieves video game is like I know we're both skeptical of it, but so you know it's it's one of the few things that at least like interestingly it's different, right? Like uh, video games it's, can have their moments. It's, it's hard though with a keyboard and energy drink. I think Hundred Thieves has done too much too fast. Like, yeah. Do you remember how good the Hundred Thieves Camp merchandise was? Yeah, from what twenty eighteen. That stuff was bomb. 100 Thieves was the king of doing really high quality merchandise drops on on a you know pretty sporadic schedule. That's not a bad thing to do. And if I think that 100 Thieves is, has spread themselves too thin, they're trying to do too many things and they really would have been benefited by doing more of what they have been extremely successful at. Yep. Keep doing Agreed. the fashion. Keep being a streetwear company. Keep being like less of a gaming company and more of a lifestyle company. Yeah, they're like the more wholesome face clamp. But I, it, you know, the the what made them popular is not the signings; it's the owner in in Nate Shot, and then right. it was the signings, right? And they got people involved like Valkyrie and Courage and others. I don't know. I'm just very skeptical of of the diversification working. You know, I do think something like TSM, despite the crypto deal being a huge hit to their revenue, the loss of the crypto deal around FTX. But I do think that, like, you know, what they're doing in technology, Blitz app, Dino, et cetera, will continue to be successful. But they're really the kind of the only one doing that. You know, down going down that Forbes list Ludwig showed, it's like Team Liquid is kind of pushing more into media. They're doing media production work, et cetera, for other people. They're producing events, uh, both their own and all, like, you know, race the world first that was pretty recently. And also though, they're like vying for these contract deals for places like riot, et cetera, who are cutting their spending. And so therefore they're outsourcing it. So they're not, you know, they're not having internal employees put together all these like content edits for things like wild rift and Valorant and other things. 
they've outsourced a lot of that and liquid's one of those companies and they're going like hey we have a really top to bottom good media production company why don't we produce that for you um not the events but the sort of the shoulder content around it etc so uh, but i i mean that that also doesn't seem sustainable not at the scale i think the biggest problem with esports we've said this before on the show is that the expectations and ludwig alluded to this the expectations versus the reality could not be further apart it's okay to be a media production company it's okay to have like a niche keyboard and energy drink if that's what your valuation says it is that's not what your valuation says it is when you're saying you're worth 400 million dollars i'm sorry it's not like you were saying you're something else as much as so i i think you are right that the diversification in esports companies isn't necessarily going to solve the problems. I do think that companies should be willing to do a new thing every once in a while. I think that it's 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 safe to, you know, build up your fan base, build up what's stable, build up what you know what works, how to do it, how to do it well. Think teams like C9, TSM, Liquid, they they did that for years. They they built good teams. They built good media around it. They they promoted their players so that they had big fan bases. And they've become these teams that are kind of household names in, in esports. Adding the merchandise is great. Once they've once you've gotten stable on the merchandise, and I think C9 is there now. I think C9 is actually doing this basically the best. They've They've streamlined that they make good merchandise. They drop it, I think, twice a year. And every once in a while, they do something else. It's never something they're trying to make a a part of their business. They do something for a little bit, and then they leave it. If it it succeeds above expectations, awesome. That's fantastic. And, And they should continue to do it. But a lot of these companies are 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 putting their their foot into this this pool that they're not ready to be fully in, and then immediately Agreed. fucking yeah. jumping in. They're like, ah, yep. it's cold. Go in. <laughs> like God. <sighs> There's yeah, we don't need another energy drink. No, we don't. Like, <laughs> I, I think I okay. So with 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 Juvie specifically. It's dumb as dirt. You know why? Because we already have Red Bull and Monster who have basically total control of the entire industry when it comes to sponsorships associated with energy drinks. No one is going to go to Nadeshot and ask him to, to provide enough energy drinks for the entire fucking event because he can't do it. Red Bull can. Monster can. They've been in the industry for for... Over a decade, Red Bull has been doing activations in gaming for nearly 20 goddamn years. Yep. Like, well, and they had the brand recognition. I mean, the other right. thing that I've like I've heard, at least, is that Juvie Sale, like from my own reporting and talking to people, is Juvie Sales are not nearly as good as they were expected to be. But getting access to them is hard. I don't know about you. I never want to buy a food product from a website, ever. I will buy it from, like, an Instacart or, like, you know, one of the delivery services. I know they're on GoPuff. Granted, GoPuff not nearly as big as Instacart or, you know, like DoorDash or any of the others of that like. Uh, I'll buy from those. I'm very hesitant. And I think the only time I've ever done it when I bought a food product from a website was Magic Spoon. That's it. Yep. 
and I and in the rest, I am extremely hesitant. Coffee, I'm fine. When it's something like that that's non-perishable, but it's an energy drink, I'm just like, I don't know if I want to do that, man. Like I can just like I can just go to Walgreens or like 7-Eleven and like yeah, I was gonna say buy Red Bull or a monster oh, go to the gas station or a monster. Like... I'm just thinking about what's around me, but you know what I yeah. mean. Like I can go to the 7-Eleven up the street and get like a monster or a Red Bull or something else. Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. If uh, okay, <laughs> because I don't want to just trash on on Nade Shot and and not give him at least a benefit of the doubt. If if he had made this drink and if memory serves like the. The real appeal of the drink is is that it's it's not as sugary as as your average energy drinker. There's it's like a healthier option if memory serves. Sure. Um if he had set up such that he could have done like LA, Chicago, Atlanta, and Miami or New York, as cities are where in a store in those places. Like one should have done a retail deal. I think it's really that simple. You should have done a retail deal. There isn't yeah. one. GoPuff is their deal. GoPuff is the yeah. thing. They it, should have done a retail deal with 7-Eleven or somewhere. Like a big, big retail chain. It's, you know? Yeah, it's silly. It, like, because then you would have gotten the fans that like, then you would have gotten sort of the fans of the thing that had nothing to do with Nate Shot or gaming, right? You're marketing right. to this niche audience in a competitive market, like you said, that they're already used to two very specific things, Red Bull and Monster, who are extremely reputable, Yeah, right? If you do retail, do a deal with Whole Foods or something, and people start picking it off the shelves to take home with them, and they like it, and they, I'm not, I'm not like shitting on the product itself. I'm just yeah. shitting on the execution of you know how it was rolled out basically and the ability to sell it see that's different that's different because then you'll get like a lot of those people who are into it that have nothing to do with gaming i, I mean we know of a couple of brands that we've heard of that like uh i can't say who because these are all the record discussions but like we know a couple of brands that were in this marketed in a similar vein that is sort of like health lifestyle type thing and like their customers are like you know, they thought they were going to get like with diabetics or like, you know, with people who are, you know, sort of health conscious, et cetera. No, no, no. Their customers are like 56 year old men. Yeah. Like because they Facebook marketing, whatever it may be. Right. They figured it out. And I think that's the one thing Juvie hasn't done. I don't think anybody under over the age of 35 has heard of Juvie. That's another little bit that I think is important. Twitch is a bad marketing tool. Stop fucking using it. Stop making Twitch where you make all of your ads. Put them somewhere else. Like, it... You you will never... It doesn't matter what you have, how much it costs, if you do all of your marketing on Twitch and Twitter, it's going to fucking fail. Correct. Agreed. I, like... Ugh... <laughs> Did did you have any any other predictions? I know we kind of covered both your things. I think there at the uh, end. Nope, that's it. And I, I have, have two. I have, I have one here. I don't want to make this go super long. I have one here, and I have one that's not that's completely unrelated. So I'll talk about the one that's sort of related to this. Uh, I think by the end of 2023, Phase will either go private, be acquired, or have to find some alternative means of financing. Oh, I think yeah. that the the market for Phase Clan is fucking abysmal. Their stock is below two dollars. 
it is awful. It is bad. They are worth a fraction of what they thought they would be. And here's the fucking clue here. A bunch of people didn't take their fucking warrants and convert them into actual stock. A bunch of people said, no, I don't want stock in that shit. And then also they had issues with their pipe, the funding to get them spacked in the first place. And the revenues are not the same as they will be. You know, we've seen like Faze Rain, one of their co-founders come out and talk about how like the, the suits don't care about the people that built the brand. Like I, this is the most predictable shit, but yeah. like the, going public was a terrible idea. Terrible idea, but you know why it was a terrible idea? Because they couldn't get the private financing as well. That's no, why no, they no. did it. You know why it was a terrible idea? It's because FaZe Clan's entire fandom is under the age of 18. <laughs> like, let's be very real about this. FaZe Clan does not appeal to adults. So why the fuck would they make something that is exclusively accessible by adults? Yeah, it's true. Like how, how many people? How many people? By the way, you think like try to download Robin Robin Hood and buy those warrants? Like the I'm, fanboys on oh Twitter. Oh my god! And then I'm they sure, couldn't. And then they couldn't. Yeah. I'm sure there were so many teenagers who were downloading Robin Hood and were like, "Uh, mom, I I can't buy <laughs> stocks." Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's bad. It's so they, tough. And, and it's and it's bad for the rest of the industry because they're like kind of. He- held up as the you know like sort of this is them this is the one like and and they're not they just aren't like and i i don't think it's i don't think any team in the industry should be doing that shit like you know sort of rogue also via a merger with infinite reality is going public and it's like that's also a fucking terrible that was bad but none of these are bad all these are bad sorry um the company that owned upcomer enthusiast gaming enthusiast gaming also a terrible stock terrible stock Stop going public. Uh, esports, like, gaming companies, yeah. etc. Gaming isn't... I think that down the road, gaming will be. I think that, that gaming well, has Well, video the, games are gaming entertainment, different story. We're not there yet. Right. And I, I think that the, the ability to, to have some sort, of, some sort of stake in your favorite team is coming eventually. But I think it goes the way of the Packers. Yeah. I think that's the if 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 a team wants to do this, they're gonna have to go the way of of the Packers, where like do if it you're a, a fucking fan, WeFunder can... or Republic or something right. like. But you know that obviously like certain investors think certain ways about those things, and it's like an admission to failure. Like if you really if that's really what you want is like shared ownership, then do it that way. Don't do it via IPO. IPO right. bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I'm. I think if FaZe had had done something where they could, yeah, a Wii funder or something, um, yeah, I do think that there would have been kids who were able to convince their parents to put a hundred bucks yeah. up. Sure, like yeah, I, that, that I think that sense. that makes so much more sense when when your entire business is creating a fandom. You're not making a product. You're not. You're not. Selling something that that you can say this is the value of this thing of of each individual unit. This is how many we sell. So this is our profit margin every year. You're 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 creating hype around a group. Yeah, hype around people. And if you're gonna yes. do that, that's great. Target the fans. Focus on the fans. That's only where you're gonna make this work. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I think we've beat that horse as much as we can beat it. And so we'll, we'll end on the last one. This is the last one for me. Maybe the most spicy one in this entire one. 
I think by the end of 2023, Sam Bankman Freed will take a plea deal and will not go to prison. Yeah, I mean, for those unfamiliar, let's let's give the background here. Yeah, Sam Bankman Freed. He's the founder of FTX. It's come out over the past couple of months. I don't know how you've missed this. It's kind of one of the biggest stories in all of finances is that he took a bunch of the money that was customers money moved it to a hedge fund, Alameda Research, that he also was the owner of, and played with the money, whether that be political donations, whether that be real estate investments, a bunch of other things that he used the money for. He he basically stole customer money. Like That yeah. is the most simple way to put it. However, because it's crypto, because it is something that this back-asswards country is so bad at regulating and hasn't figured it out, even to this day, and you know that because the biggest crypto sort of like, you know, punishment is Kim Kardashian for a promotion, which is like yep. a, a age old promote. No, no promotional disclosure. That's something they get people on all the time. They've gotten people in gaming for that one, too. When that's the biggest punishment, I very much doubt them being able to prosecute him super effectively, at least enough to get him on all, I believe, eight counts that he's been charged for. I think he'll plea out to some of them. I think they'll drop some others. I don't think he'll go to prison. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think you'll go to prison because if you have enough money, you don't go to prison. Like, I don't even think it's that I, I think it's about who wants your head. Right. So you look at let's let's do some uh, comparative analysis here. Let's look at Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos. Yeah. She is going to prison because a bunch of the rich people that she scammed, they aren't the, the some of them are the Silicon Valley types. But most of them are not. Actually, they are the ex-government types who are embarrassed and look bad. And they are okay with being embarrassed and looking bad, right? So they are they put her head on the block. We can also have a bigger discussion because I think it's extremely unfair that she's in prison or going to prison and Adam Newman isn't who I was about to bring up. Yeah. But, you know, the people that she scammed out of money are not afraid of being embarrassed, right? They're okay with being embarrassed if it is for putting her behind bars, which yeah. they did. In the case of Adam Newman, Adam Newman's out there raising money like fucking crazy. Yeah, he's like, still you know, raising his sort of like millions of dollars. We, and we live nuts. from like Andreessen Horowitz and others too, like yeah. major investment firms. And I think part of the reason that happened is because the people that invested in WeWork, especially uh, some of the other people at SoftBank, Japan, etc., they don't like looking like they're embarrassed. So to yep. testify against him, to admit that you were fooled by, you know, basically a con artist is something they do not want to do. And so I yeah. think it's totally different situation. I think that the people that invest in FTX, the biggest supporters of FTX are afraid of the same thing. They are also afraid of being embarrassed because they're Silicon Valley investor types and they are going to look bad for having being attached to this. So they're not going to push the chips. It will be on the government to push the chips. I do not think the government is effective enough to get somebody on things like wire fraud when it involves cryptocurrency. Yeah. No, I... <sighs> Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I hate it too. I don't have, he should I be like I don't bars. have a lot to add just because it's just like, hey, it's this is this is all honestly really depressing because he fucked up. He fucked up bad. Unequivocally. Yeah. And it it impacted a lot of people. Correct. And he's probably not gonna he's gonna get like a slap on the wrist, a fine. A fine. Like, I don't know. It, he might have to He'll be do booked. Some... I yeah. He, I, he'll do jail. Maybe jail. Yeah. He was in jail for a little bit. He's out on bond now on house, house arrest in California. That's but it. he, 
Yeah, but uh, he may do some jail, but I don't think he'll do prison. I don't think right. we're seeing this guy. Yeah, you know, the I think the number is in the hundreds of years of of things. If he was convicted on all eight counts, yeah, I don't think we're seeing any of it. Yeah, no, I, I he'll, I he'll get he'll get some of the he'll get some of the treatment of like, uh, well, you can't have a role in like a financial institution that you know is certified by the FDIC or whatever. Like he'll get some of that stuff, but like that's meaningless. He doesn't need it. Like he he already made a decent amount of money, and they didn't seize all that. So yeah, I think the most that that he gets is like eight to ten years of of prison time, and that's I mean that's a fraction of of what it could. I don't even think it's that. Don't even think it's that. I I think it's nothing. And if it is something, it's very small. Thirty six months. I'll put I'll put a number two. I think it's three years or less uh, if he gets it at all. And I don't think he gets it at all. So I'm. He can go back to playing League of Legends and, and trying bad. to raise. Yeah, being yeah. He was. I'm pretty sure he was bronze. Yeah, he was, he was bad, bronze bad. with over a thousand games played. Yeah, he was playing all the fucking time and was still bad at League of Legends. Don't like, be like Sam Bateman afraid people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I think, too, the other thing that's really telling to me, well, I guess the million-dollar question I want to know is, does he try again? Does he try no. to raise more money again and try something else? I mean, yes, but I, I think the try something else is like a radical pivot. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I think it's I not think, like Adam Newman where he does like the yeah. we live with a different name kind of thing, right? Like the sort of like the kibbutz, uh, you know, like the group housing crap. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he does, but like I, I, I think either a, it's all very kind of shadowy and and done privately, or b he falls on his face. Yeah. Like I, I think it's one of the two, and hopefully it's the latter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it'll be interesting to see how. I I'm very pessimistic. I hope I hope he gets lots of jail time, lots of. It. Hope he goes to prison for a decade, like you said, because yeah. I think it's important to make an example here. He stole the customer's money. He's yeah. not sorry either. He's like, oh, I made a mistake. Uh, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. Uh, he he doesn't care. I didn't lose any money in FTX, and I still feel for all the people that did. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm just very pessimistic about the country being sort of up on crypto enough to get him. And even if the prosecutors are really bright, which they are, I believe it's Southern District in New York, and Southern District in New York are very, very smart people. They've done a lot of stuff. Like Every time it seems like they have a slam dunk case, it's never a slam dunk case. Like Alan Weisselberg, the the Trump CFO, is also just sort of like floating around. Like, hey yep. man, it's like, nah, you like definitely lied on your taxes. Definitely did all these other things, and like you get nothing. You get nothing. So, uh, not very optimistic about our our uh, judicial system, and by any means. Yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I got so little to add to this. I'm. I hate it. I just, I just hate it so much because it always happens. And every time it's like, guys literally stole hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and the people you stole from, they got pennies back. Correct. Like, I was in the Wells Fargo settlement. It was when I was a, a, like a sophomore in college. And I, I lost... Like two thousand dollars from Wells Fargo, just like refusing to close accounts and then charging me because of of like 
account minimums that just like but yep. that account yep. shouldn't exist i've i've asked for it to be canceled you've closed it yeah i've closed I it miss you countless Chase. times and also got settled with <laughs> and it was like i got settled for like three dollars yep i'm just like well, yep. how how does that make sense how are they no, not, not responsible for this yep it's uh it's sad reality but that's gonna be it for our show we'll end here we will be back on Friday with a normal episode, interview episode. If you made it all this far too, please subscribe and click the bell below. We appreciate you being here. Um, we are super, super excited. We had a huge holiday bump. We are so excited about 2023. A lot of good stuff in the pipe for us too. Not just visionaries either, which more things we'll talk about later. But thank you all so much for listening to the show. We will be back on Friday, as I mentioned. Special thanks to, well, Prime is here. Prime for working on the show and Sammy Dag as well. And we will see you on Friday. Happy New Year again, everyone.